Well, good morning. So we, uh, we're still in our Together series and why we gather together. And um, I have the Great Commission today on why, we, why do we go. Great Commission of the local church. says, so as we continue our series on being together as believers, we come to Jesus' command at the end of the book of Matthew. Let's look at Matthew twenty-eight sixteen through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." So what exactly is the Great Commission? What's it mean in the light of our modern world? Does it apply to us here in our little country church, little Ramsey Creek? Is it a corporate responsibility? Or is it an individual responsibility? What does the word gospel mean? The gospel is derived from the old English English word Godspell. And that's pronounced actually different when they talk. But uh, meaning good news. So as believers, we hold important information we should be excited to share with unsaved people. Are you excited about what God's done in your life? You should be, right? So we don't, we don't hide our light under a basket, right? We, we, we should share this, share this good news. Look at Romans 10, 1 through 15. We tend to we tend to not read that whole section sometimes, I think, and I think it's important that we do. <clears throat> it says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. We're talking about the Gentiles here. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God, And seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed that he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So I read a little farther, but how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. You know, it's, it's not enough to, uh, it's not enough to hear the, I mean, you have to hear the good news to understand it, to come to Christ, but someone's got to tell you about it. And, um, those feet have been, uh, uh, I'm, since, since Rod was able to use Monroe on a slide the other day, I'm, I can use my granddaughter. Those are, those are Maddie's feet. <laughs> and, uh, we've got quite a few missionaries that have come out of this church and, and gone a lot of places, but, uh, those feet, those, those sandals have walked in Haiti several times and, uh, Indonesia. And, um, so I thought that was kind of appropriate. How beautiful are the feet? I don't know if she considers her feet beautiful, but I do because of where they've been. Paul clearly lays out that the truth, the truth that salvation is available to all who trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. He also makes it clear that the hearing is accomplished by the sharing of those who bring the good news. Paul wrote letters to established churches. Now, Paul wrote a lot of letters, but he wrote a lot of letters to established churches. And those churches were the direct result of missionaries like himself who went out and shared the gospel, establishing, establishing local churches and building relationships with them. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So in Matthew 9:37, So we've got, you know, we're told that salvation is for everyone. To be, You have to hear the message, and someone has to bring the message. So when we talk about missions, we sometimes we, we tend to think, about missions as being somebody going to Indonesia or somebody going to, to Mexico or somebody, you know, these places, Haiti, with these different places, uh, Vanuatu, Romania, you know, we think about all those things. But, you know, missions is anytime you're sharing the gospel, that you're putting your feet to your faith and sharing the gospel with other people, whether it's uptown Clarksville or wherever it's at, some farmer out in the field, wherever that's at. That's that's missions. It says uh, in Revelation 7, 9 through 10, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So who is the gospel for? Well, we see it in Revelation as well. John's vision of heaven, people from all nations and tongues are worshiping at the throne. Not just certain people groups, not just um, who we think should be there, but it's all people. And then Revelation 20:15, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So we also see that hell's real for those who have not come to salvation. Mike Bravo sent a, an article by uh, J.D. Greer. He's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And um, I, it was pretty appropriate, I thought, for today. And he talks about sharing the gospel with a young woman from New England who had never heard it. Now stop and think about that a minute. This is not New Eng- this is not New Guinea. This is New England. 
And she says she's never heard the gospel. Now, whether you want to believe it or not, that's one thing. But there are people in this country that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Um, so you don't have to cross an ocean to find lost people that need to hear the gospel that have never heard it before. So he shares the gospel with her, and when he had finished, she asked him, Do you really believe this? And he answered, Of course I believe it. She replied, You don't act like you do. If I knew people who weren't saved were going to hell, I would be on my knees pleading with people to listen. Then she went on to say, you treat it like, treat it like it's a philosophical question, philosophical question instead of fact. Um, he went on to say, you know, that that really cut him to the quick, that he realized that his sharing of the gospel was hollow because he really didn't have the heart knowledge that he needed to have and the care to share. Um, he was just, you know, you know, here it is. Here it's in the book. Let's read it. There it is. There's the gospel. But it wasn't a personal thing. And it was life-changing for him. Our desire to share the gospel should be driven by love and concern for the lost and an urgency spurred by the fact that hell is real and the lost will be separated from God for eternity. The concept of hell has been downplayed in many churches today. I don't know if some of you were raised in Baptist churches and, and uh, you know, the old hellfire and brimstone preacher, you know, that would pretty much have you quaking in your seat or in your pew. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think uh, I, I've, I've been to churches that seldom ever mention the fact that people are going to hell if they're not saved. And, and I think that's, you know, we've kind of lost that. After all, if God's love in 1 John 4, 8, would he truly send lost sinners to such a horrible place? Let's look at Matthew 25, 31 to 46. And these are Jesus' words. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you stranger? All right, I'm back on. And welcome you or naked and clothe you. And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? 
Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So Jesus himself lays it out. You know, there is, there's a final judgment, and, and there's hell waiting for those that are not saved in Christ. Um, so I think, you know, that, that's important to us to remember that and to have that sense of urgency. If we have a watered-down view of hell, then our urgency to share the gospel will be watered down as well. <clears throat> Baptists have a long history of supporting mission work both at home and abroad, and Ramsey Creek supports programs like the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering or for North American Missions, Lottie Moon for International Missions. We just talked about Reuben L. South, Missouri Missions this morning. Um, we support missionary families like the Derringers and the Harleas. We, we send them a monthly check to support them in their ministry. Uh, we've, we've supported Shining Light. We continue to support them uh, and individual missionaries that have gone out from our church. Um, you know, we've, we've got several that have done that. Uh, James David, uh, Caitlin Colbert, and, and the list goes on. I mean, there's been a, been a lot of people that have gone out and, um, and gone on missions. So as when we look at the lives of respected missionaries like Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon, um, Hudson Taylor in China, George Mueller in England that uh, established the homes for, uh, for the orphans, Amy Wilson Carmichael who spent her life in India, and uh, Marjorie, uh, it's actually Marjorie Saint. I got that wrong, and I fixed it, and then I fixed it wrong. Marjorie Saint. Anyway. Look it up. <laughs> she was in Ecuador. We see the rest of Jesus' commandment carried out. Jesus didn't just tell disciples to go and share the plan of salvation, but to make disciples that they, well, the people they encountered and teach them. So it's, it's bigger than just spreading the gospel and, you know, yeah, I'm coming to Christ. Okay. You know, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but, uh, but it's, it's the relationship part of it. And most, most of you are familiar with the story of the missionaries who were killed by the natives' tribe, tribesmen in Ecuador. The lives of Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, Ed McCulley, Roger, Roger Udarian, and Peter Fleming were cut short in 1956 when the tribe they were trying to reach out to killed them. Now, this was a, an Ecuadorian tribe that had not been reached. They were a people group that had not been, that had not heard the gospel. Um, they were referred to as the Aka which basically was not what they called themselves, but what all the other tribes and people called them because that basically meant bad people. These were bad people. These were not the people that you wanted to walk down their alley in the middle of the night, you know, because they were bad people. But they had been reaching out to them to share the gospel. And um, they had actually started flying over and uh, dropping gifts and stuff and they had made contact with them and they had sat down with them and shared gifts and, and things so they'd made two or three visits and actually visited with them a little bit some of the men but uh, they landed the plane on the river and uh, that day they they told the the missionaries that they they wanted to go on plane rides so they were kind of excited about that i would assume because we never got to talk to them again because they speared them all and they all died um, so 
Eventually, Nate Saint's wife, Marjorie, so it's not Jim Elliott, it's Nate Saint's wife, Marjorie, and another woman was able to establish a relationship with the tribe through two female members of the group. So two tri- women in the tribe, they, they actually started having a dialogue. And she spent a good part of her life living with the tribe and sharing the gospel and discipling believers. Uh, Nate's son, Steve, came to live with the tribe, it said, when he was about 10 years old, from what I remember. Um, there's, there's a good book called Point of the Spear about this. Um, I've got the book, but I loaned it out, and I don't know where it's at. But anyway, it's a good book if you get a chance to read it. That was made into a movie as well. But Nate's son, Steve, came to live with the tribe. He was a believer. He became a believer and was baptized by a man named Minkay. He was one of the tribal elders that had converted to Christianity. So people had come to Christ in this tribe. And um, Minkay was one of the guys who was on the riverbank that day carrying a spear, killing those missionaries, including his dad. So sometimes we're called by God to do hard things, and forgiveness is often the hardest. For a family to devote their lives to a group of people who cause them so much grief shows us how important it is to follow God's lead and not our own. So if we truly believe how we were saved by Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we see the value of all people and God's desire for all to come to him. You know, salvation's for everyone. And, you know, how easy would it have been to say, let's write these people off, you know, because, you know, we're trying to share the gospel and, you know, they killed all these guys, you know, and, and well, you killed my dad, you killed my husband. I'm still going to go minister to this people group and disciple them and I'm going to live with them. I'm going to invest in their lives. You know, it's, it's, it's not ours to judge who's worthy of salvation. It's, it's just not. It's, you know, God is in charge of that. You know, our, our charge is to go share the gospel, make disciples and teach. And, um, regardless of who it is. So, you know, sometimes we, we tend to think, well, you know, those Muslims, you know, they're pretty scary people. I don't think I want to share the gospel with them. Um, Maddie, <laughs> Maddie shared the gospel, her and another girl, with a Muslim in when they were in Indonesia, they shared the gospel with a Muslim family in a Buddhist temple, <laughs> which was. But sometimes I'm. This was a hard lesson for me too because, you know, sometimes I tend to stay away from some certain people in sharing the gospel because it's like well, a little scary. Um, but that's that's not what we're called to, and. Um, and, and her courage to do that in that situation uh, was was humbling for me to think. You know, she just she just put it out there. She's she didn't think about the consequences that it could be dangerous. You know, she has an urgency for the gospel to share with the lost. So I read a book by Mark Dever, and he's the lead pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. They do a lot of the nine mark stuff. If you're familiar with any of that. And the book was Understanding the Great Commission. It's a small book, but uh, as we said, it was eye-opening for me because it spent more time on the health of the local church than it did on the actual sending out. If the body's healthy within the church, then a part of that is disciple-making within the body here. We can't go out and make disciples and teach unless we put it to practice here first. 
making disciples of Jesus is the overflow of the delight of being disciples of Jesus. And I think that's that's what's uh, that's important. I got that book and I'm reading it, and it's like, when are we going to talk about going somewhere? You know, and I'm like reading and I'm reading and I'm reading, and I realize that unless we work here to disciple one another and teach one another, the Great Commission starts in the local church. It starts right here, and um, if we if we send people out. And we're not healthy here, then we're sending unhealthy people out to share the gospel with a lost world, and and our and our gospel is is watered down, or it's it's a little bit wrong, or so I think that's for me the important thing is our relationship with one another in this church, that that we love one another as we're instructed in in scripture, um, and that we teach and disciple one another. Deborah likens our modern approach to handing out a license to new Christians. And he, he talks about the DMV, get your driver's license. Instead of the command to go, make disciples and teach, it becomes make converts, give them the license of baptism, and let them go on their way. Um, and I think that we've, we've been, the churches, especially in this country, I think we've been really um, guilty of doing some of that. Um, and I've even seen it over the years. I've seen people baptized here that never came back. And I think, why? Were they truly saved? Or did we drop the ball and not disciple them and teach them and we just left them to their own? You know, here's your, here's your baptism certificate. Here's your Bible. Go and have a good life. And, and that's, that's concerning to me that you know, we may have done that in the past. So we want to be sure when someone professes Christ and wants to be baptized that they are saved before we do that and that we don't just leave them out there on their own, um, that we, we do disciple one another. Um, find someone... You know that uh, that you can disciple or mentor. Um, I think that even even mature Christians need discipling. You know, we never stop needing that. That we that we take care of one another. I think home teams is a real good place to work together to understand God's word, um, but also you know just in in general homes and visits and during church. You know, during our time here together. But, but look for those opportunities. When we look at the topics we've covered so far and why we gather together, it's clear that the health of the church depends on our relationships with one another as, a, as well as our relationship with God. If we're growing together in Christ, then a natural outflow of our love for one another will be to want to share it with our neighbor. Missions can begin right here in our area, not just far away in exotic places. You know, we, we, we say that a lot, you know, and we're always excited to see, you know, what's going on in the world and, and, but are we excited about what's going on in Clarksville or Ellsbury or Bowling Green or are we excited about that? Is, is there anything going on there? Are we, are we missionaries to those places as well? So who sends? Well, the book of Acts has a lot of uh, 
scripture about that, but uh, Acts 15.3. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversions of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. So the church sends. It's exciting to hear from those we've helped send out about their missions and what God is accomplishing through them. You know, I think that's that's another important part of this is the church sends missionaries out and supports missionaries, but it's it's good to hear back, you know, the reports of what what was accomplished for God in those in those missions. Um, it's exciting. We we tried to set up a uh, a live video with uh, Derringers where we could actually have them on the screen and kind of like FaceTime if any of you people know about FaceTime. But um, just the time and the the internet speed, all those things just didn't really work very well. But it's it's exciting when we get a video, you know, from them or the Herleas and and different ones that have been out, or somebody leaves from here and then they come back and they give a report. Um, you know, it's it's exciting to hear what's going on. So who decides? Who chooses? So in the Jerusalem Council's letter to the Gentile believers. In Acts 15.22, it says, Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers. So the church decides who goes. And it says the, the, you know, the leaders of the church and basically the whole church. The whole book of Acts centers around not just individual evangelizing and discipling, but evangelizing and discipling in the context of the local church. The story of the spread of the gospel is the story of local churches. And that's a quote from Mark Dever. It brings us back around to our responsibility, both individually and corporately as a church, to fulfill Jesus' commandment at the end of Matthew. We need to practice discipleship which is following Jesus, as well as discipling, helping others follow Jesus. So what about you here today? Are you a goer or are you a sender? We aren't given the option of doing nothing. Jesus called us to be disciple makers. Where do you see opportunities to be faithful to him in this? Is it here or is he calling you to go somewhere else? Are your, our decisions to share the gospel based on his will for us or our own? Do we truly love our neighbors as ourselves? I think that's, you know, as I talked earlier, sometimes it's hard to share with certain groups of people because they're different. They may be scary. Um, but, you know, it's, it's loving your neighbor as yourself. So you want to put that last one up? Last slide. <clears throat> so once again, I'm <clears throat> I'm using my own family here. <laughs> this is uh, one of Maddie's senior pictures, and uh, you know, it was, she had a bunch of cute pictures, and it was all nice. It was a rainy day, and she was out with her umbrella, and, you know. And I kind of looked at that picture, and I was thinking about how it applied to us as going out to make disciples and, and sharing. And, you know, it, 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 there's a lot being said in that picture that, that I don't think they had any intention of saying. 
go. But Jesus, it's raining today. Now, I'm being a little facetious here, but don't we tend to make pretty hollow excuses sometimes? Um, so, yeah, it's raining. You know, I'll, I'll go... I'll go canvas that place when, you know, I'll go door to door when, you know, it's a nice sunny day and it's all good. But it kind of looks scary, Jesus. It's not like a really safe neighborhood. It looks like kind of a creepy alley or something. Um, go, did I not explain to you who your neighbor is? Who is our neighbor? It's those people on the scary alley. It's those people, you know, that that are like us. It's those people that aren't like us. Future's out of focus. If you look at that picture off in the distance, you really can't, it's not clearly defined what's quite in front of her. So how can I? The future's out of focus. Because all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and I am with you always to the end of the age. So if he's asking you to go, go. You know, I think, um, you know, I had a, I think, I think it was Greg that made the comment that, you know, you just be faithful and you go and, and he'll keep you safe or not. And, and I think that's where we, we just have to put our faith in him. Those guys that, those guys that landed on that riverbank, they didn't, they didn't fly in that day saying, well, I think we'll all get speared to death and it'll be over. You know, that, that wasn't, that wasn't what they, but they went. Because they believe those people were worthy of salvation. Not because, you know, because God says everyone is worthy of salvation. And we are all called to share that message with other people. So I encourage you, you know, it's, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put a downer on you. I want you to be excited about it. Share the gospel because you're excited for what God has done for, for you. And, and, uh, and don't, and be bold in that. Um, look for opportunities. Look for look around the room and find someone that that's that needs discipling. Look for someone that needs that's hurting, that needs comfort. You know, it starts here. It starts with us as a body at Ramsey Creek, and then our natural the natural thing from that is the outflow spreading of the gospel. Let's pray. God, we come to you and we thank you so much for your word and. Lord, this was a hard lesson for me. It was convicting because I see my inadequacies, Lord, in, in sharing the gospel with other people. Uh, but, Lord, uh, it's about relationships. It's not just telling people the good news. It's living the good news and, and living with them, if, if need be, Lord, to help them. Father, we, uh, we strive here to, to honor you to glorify you and, and to worship you in, in a correct way, Lord. And, uh, Father, uh, just help us never to to go off on our own accord, our own thoughts and our own um, decisions, Lord, but that everything we do here as a church is based on your will, uh, your word. And, um, and Father, uh, we put you first at the, at the head of this church, Lord, in all things. We just uh, thank you for each and every one here. We just um, we just pray, Lord, for opportunities um, as they come before us, Lord, um, as we studied earlier today in Sunday school. That that we not worry about things, Lord. Uh, you've told us um, you've told us about that. 
that we shouldn't be worrying. Lord, let us not worry, but let us step out in faith. We just ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.